You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Hey, hey, Jess O'Reilly here and very excited today to be joined by sexologist Shamira Sex therapist, sexologist extraordinaire, the creator of the Use Your Mouth conversation starter cards. Let's talk about those. What do you want me to do with my mouth? Right? And so that was the first thing my husband said when he saw the question. He got it. The first card he pulled was use your mouth. And he said, well, what do I have to do? And I say, clearly, you didn't read the directions. <laughs> so what are these cards? So these are conversation starter cards. So as you mentioned, I'm a sex therapist, right? On the green couch um, is my practice. And what I realize is that couples don't talk about sex uh, or their relationship. What they usually talk about is what we're going to eat for dinner tomorrow. The kids need this for school. Oh, we have to do this. These bills are paid. So the business stuff. And so when I ask them stuff about their relationships and even sex, they're like looking at each other like, do you know this? Do I know this? And so these cards are really a fun way to help them increase the intimacy in and out of the bedroom. So they are really fun. I've sold over 800 of these cards, 800 decks, yes, of these cards. And I keep getting lots and lots of good reviews. So they create great stimulating conversation to help you get to know your partner better. Can you give me an example? Yeah, so one of the questions on the card, um, one of them, is how'd you witness affection growing up? Another question is, uh, do you know what turns you on? Or tell me what turns you on? Where do you like to be touched? So those are two really different questions. How, yeah. how did you witness affection growing up? Right. I'm not even sure how I'd answer that. So that the reason why I remember that that's one is because that one came up recently when someone talked about they used these cards at date night and that question came up and they realized that that is where the root of their sexual repression came, comes from or uh, the shame around sex because they didn't witness a lot of affection and it was always like sex is supposed to be really, really private and scary and shameful. And oftentimes this is familial, but it can also mm -hmm. be cultural. My family jokes about how the generation ahead of us, they hug, they do a butt out hug. What is that? You know, you stick your butt out so your bodies don't get too close together. Oh, yeah, that's the church hug. We call that the church hug. In <laughs> the our church culture, hug. The church hug. You stick your butt out and you pat them on the back and you move forward. Right. And I'm trying to think about growing up my parents and what I witnessed with affection. Mm -hmm. Now, my mom would hug and kiss me, not a whole lot, um, a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom did a lot of communicating with me, though. Mm -hmm. My dad definitely wasn't very affectionate. Mm -hmm. He still isn't. In fact, we do hug and kiss goodbye mm -hmm. whenever I leave, because as those who listen know, he lives in my home. And he's really nice about waiting knowing when I'm leaving because he always wants to say goodbye before I leave oh. yeah it makes me a little sad though as he gets older I wonder why because we're not affectionate oh, wow. at all but he does like to give me a hug before I leave oh that's sweet yeah and I noticed that he I don't know if, how he'd feel about this uh I noticed that he also gives my my husband gives him a hug okay before he leaves and I imagine growing up and I could be wrong I should ask my dad I don't imagine men were hugging him Mm, when probably he was younger. not. My yeah. family, I grew up in a family that did not hug. My husband's family, we hug and we kiss each other goodbye and we greet each other with a hug and a kiss when we see each other. And so, you know, I like that. But my family of origin, we didn't do that. 
we probably would have knocked each other out before we hugged. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so we've got questions about your childhood, which I think are so revealing, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to affection or messages around sex. Questions about what you want. Give me one more from okay. the use your mouth. So another one is um, about tell me about your fantasies. Uh, what's erotic to you? Where do you like to be touched? I think I said that one. And I'm drawing a blank because it comes with like 50 cards in this first deck. This first one comes with about 50 cards. Um, Let's just remind ourselves, and this is something I run into, all the things I write, I forget (laughs) Forget them. them. (laughs) Right? Because we're constantly creating new content. We're constantly writing. So people say, do you do all the things that you tell people to do? I'm like, dear God, no. I've I've written five books. That's over 300,000 words just in the books. And then you do press ops every day. And then you're you're talking to people. Exactly. So no, I do not do all the things in my books. You don't. You have. Have you answered all the questions on your fifty cards with I'm, your partner? I've. We have answered almost all of them. So the first time we did it, we got stuck, and we had. It took us a day. Well, it took us a night and a day to come back to it because we were like, "Listen, we need to come back to this card." It was. I don't even remember which card it was, but it. We got stuck on it, and we were both. I'm like, look thought you knew this about me (laughs) (laughs) well that's a great example though of how there's no one way to use conversation Mm -mm. starter cards whether it's the use your mouth cards or something else that you're you're using on your own and it's okay if you get stuck so I I really want to try these cards I'm going to order myself a deck (laughs) and maybe we'll have Brandon on and usually Brandon is here to co-host but he couldn't make it today so maybe he and I will answer some of these on air I think you'll like them and we do ship to Canada but so I think you'll definitely like the cards okay some of the questions they're interesting excellent now there are a couple of topics I want to cover because you are a therapist you specialize Mm -hmm. in sex and relationships and recently you posted about what a real apology looks Mm -hmm. like and now every single one of us has screwed up at some point in time many of us are struggling to make amends for something we've done Mm -hmm. whether it's something you did this morning like be dismissive of your partner when they were in need of some sort of intimate you, connection. Because <laughs> you're next door, you heard. <laughs> we're staying in a hotel right now, and we are sharing a hotel, not room, but a wall. And so we, ha- we are getting to know each other intimately through the walls. <laughs> you heard. and I. So how do you apologize if you messed up this morning, or if it's something more serious? Maybe... Mm-hmm. Maybe you cheated, yeah, and your partner already knows, and mm-hmm. you're moved on. You've, you're moving on to making amends. Mm-hmm. What makes for a good apology? apology? That's great. That's a great question. And so the the cheating apology is a bit different. So as you know, there are so many different types of apologies, and there are some that just don't work, and some that really do work. But there's even research around apologizing and why it's important in relationships and what it does and um, to the brain, like. Whenever you hear an apology from your partner, it changes the brain waves, right? That's because apologies are very reparative. Um, and, there, you know, there, there's so much research. And all the research literally, and you really don't find this in a lot of research, but all the research around apologies really state the same thing. So I kind of believe the research. And I do this personally, too. It's hard. Apologies are hard. And there are a couple of reasons why it's hard for people to apologize. And so one of the reasons why it's hard for people to apologize is because you don't want to seem inadequate or you don't want to seem like a failure. So the ego gets in the way of apologizing because you're admitting to a fault. 
And who wants to be wrong, right? I'm never wrong, so why do I have to apologize? (laughs) But doesn't it make you more likable when you apologize? Yes, and it does. And so that's why apologies, thank you so much, because that's why apologies are so, so, so effective, because it it does make you more likable, and they're nice. And I've even heard on one of your previous podcasts, or you may have even said this on a, a post, where the research shows that being kind is so important in relationships. And so that's what apologies do. It's It's nice. You're being nice to your partner so I'll tell you one first what an apology isn't so let's say you do something to your partner not cheating that's different I'm gonna talk about the difference with that one right so let's say you do something to your uh partner and they are like you know what I felt really dismissed when you just stopped answering my text messages this morning right knock knock (laughs) (laughs) and the person who you're describing this to, if you're describing this to your partner and they're like, well, I don't know why you felt dismissed. I always do this, you know? And so you're like, yeah, but I did. Like, you just left me hanging. I just felt really ignored. You really ignored me. Well, I didn't ignore you. I wasn't trying to ignore you, but I had stuff to do. So what the other person is doing is they're being really defensive and making it more about them than they're making it about their partner. That is not the way to apologize. And so then when they say, look, you know, I, it usually turns into something else. When you go into this circle, when you're not addressing the issue, the issue is you ignored me, right? I felt ignored. And you're telling me, no, I didn't do that. I, didn't, I always do this. And I did. Too. No, that's not. And then you might say, well, I wasn't trying to ignore you. So you need to just get over it. Oh. <laughs> you know, so or they'll say something like, I'm sorry you felt ignored. <laughs> Ooh, these are all non-apology apologies. These are all non-apology apologies, right? I'm sorry you felt ignored or something like that. And so those are not, this is not the way to apologize. So a good apology takes acknowledgement, right? It takes you to, to be able to acknowledge that I hurt you, even if it was your, was your fault or not. So basically an apology is an, is a sincere acknowledgement of some type of offense, whether it was intentional or not. And if you care about your partner, then you care about their feelings. You care about if whatever you did or said to them affected them negatively, right? And you want to do something to make amends. And so that's another part of an apology. So you want to acknowledge it. You want to take responsibility for it. Of course, you want to express the regret. You want to repair and ask for forgiveness, right? And so all of this is also backed by uh, research. And so the most important part of apologizing is one admitting the mistake. As soon as you admit that you made a mistake, it changes your partner's brainwave. So you want to admit that you made a mistake. And the second most important part is the repair part. Ah. How do you fix this? Right. So, you know, sometimes you get in, people get into these habits where they're always sorry for something. It's like, Oh, he's sorry again. She's (laughs) sorry again. They're sorry again. Oh, I'm married to a sorry person. (laughs) So no, listen, let me tell you something. So being sorry for everything, you know, the person who over apologizes, that's not okay either. You want it because you want it to be sincere and you don't want to just seem, you don't want to just seem like, okay, you're just apologizing for the sake of apologizing because some people are very creative, right? And they get the hint. They've gotten a hint. I've seen this in session where I'm sorry I did that. And that's it, you know? And it's like, okay, but what? And so that post that you're referring to, I say, you know, sometimes sorry isn't enough. People don't need you to be sorry. They need you to be better. So if you keep apologizing and saying, I'm sorry for the same thing, that's not okay. You want to apologize. Okay. Wow. Right. 
I'm sorry I ignored you. Not I'm sorry you feel ignored. And your apology should never come, but should never come after I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, but is a non-apology apology. apology. And it sounds like, you know, you're making an excuse. And I think all of us, when when it comes to human behavior, we believe we had a reason we acted the way we did. And that reason may have even been a good reason. Absolutely. However, that may not affect the outcome, which is a negative feeling or experience on your partner's part. So even if you didn't mean to ignore or dismiss them, if it made them feel like, you know what, you're away on a business trip, I was in the middle of texting you, and you just ghosted me in the middle. You Mm. You couldn't just write... BRB. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Or going to work or something like that, especially in the age of technology. Everyone poo poos technology, but technology allows us to communicate in an instant and it allows us to communicate shorthand. Absolutely. It keeps us connected and disconnected, but most importantly, it keeps us connected. And so in an apology for that, you would definitely, the way if we're following what research says an apology is and what we would I witness, because I do practice some of this stuff too. (laughs) So what I witness is a good apology. I'm sorry I dismissed you. I didn't mean to. I I wasn't trying to be dismissive. What I can do is make sure that I tell you I need to go or I'll finish texting you later. That is the repair part, right? So you heard the I'm sorry. You accepted responsibility for it. You acknowledged that you hurt your partner. You didn't use any defensiveness there. And you talked about how you were going to repair this. Like, what are you going to do to fix this? And that is the most one of the most important parts of an apology. How will this be different? Because the best apology is changed behavior. Can you say that again for the people in the back? The people in the back. The best apology is changed behavior. Yeah, I appreciate that. So people don't want you to be sorry. They want you to be better. Yes. And if you want to be better, you change your behavior. Right. And that doesn't mean you're changing as a person. No. no it no, just no. means that you're, you're going to be a little bit more respectful in the way you communicate. Yes. Or if, you know, you did something else, like you, you forgot to do something that you promised you'd do, it doesn't mean you're changing who you are moving forward. It means that you're going to follow through on your promises. Absolutely. And your commitments. And if you care about your partner, then you care about their the way they feel by your behavior. And that's it. You're just adjusting relationships are all about adjustments and we don't agree on everything and that's okay oh that's another topic you cover so to wrap up the apology i really appreciate that so acknowledge the hurt take responsibility and express regret regret and then look for a way to repair moving forward but you brought up something else which is about understanding Mm -hmm. right we're Mm -hmm. not supposed to agree to disagree right but agree to understand yes you posted about this the other day what does this mean don't agree to disagree agree to understand so that's it in a nutshell right so usually like you'll hear people they'll get into an argument and I use usually a lot and this might not be usually for a lot of you but so let's say a couple is fussing about washing chicken right and it's (laughs) you know like you know, She's from Louisiana, <laughs> folks. They're, yes. They're washing their chicken. We wash our chicken. Not all of us. And so that might be the issue in a relationship. You might have a partner who doesn't wash their chicken. And so y'all are getting into this argument about, listen, I really want the chicken washed. If you, When you're not washing the chicken, it makes me feel weird. It makes me feel nasty. It's dirty. Or you're telling your partner they're dirty, like when you don't wash the chicken. And they're like, no, I'm not washing the chicken. The chicken, if you wash it, it you're more susceptible to 
getting bacteria, salmonella, and all of that when you wash the chicken around. because it sprays all around. Mm-hmm. And like, well, I really need the chicken wash. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, you know what? And they're like, no, it's not going to give you bacteria. I've been doing this forever. And then you're like, you know what? Let's agree to disagree. So what that does is nothing. When you're agreeing to disagree, what that usually means is, look, I'm tired of talking about this. I don't want to hear no more. I'm about to go do this chicken, however I'm going to do it, and whatever, however you feel about it, that's okay. And so what th- that doesn't that doesn't change your partner's brainwaves because now you're probably you know you're at a crossroads now it's like okay they're they're not listening to me again and so when I say agree to understand that could go way differently if you both are disagreeing on washing the chicken or not and you're like well when I grew up my grandmother washed the chicken she washed all the meat before we cook and we thought that that's the way you're supposed to do it and it makes me feel safer it makes it feel like it's safe to eat when it's clean and if I was a partner who wanted to understand and show that I understand that versus dismissing my partner with agreeing to disagree I would say oh wow so that's it you feel better and you feel safer when the chicken is washed now I understand and then you're like yeah and I understand that you feel like if we wash the chicken We'll, it's not safe because of the bacteria. And I get that as well. And I think it's important that we can both disagree. We don't have to agree that it's safe or unsafe, but we can definitely understand why the other person feels how they feel. I like that. And basically, whoever's making the chicken gets to decide. I may understand your perspective, but if you want your chicken washed, you you come in this kitchen. And cook that chicken yourself. You need to cook it. But what that does is it it changes the conversations in the relationship. So now it goes from back and forth, this circle, this cycle, this dance to a more, oh, okay, now I get it. I still don't agree with that. But you don't have to agree. We don't have to agree with each other, but we definitely need to understand each other if we are going to create some type of cohesion in the relationship. I like that you used an issue as simple as washing chicken. Because they're so simple. All the issues are usually so simple. Right. And so if we were to apply this to something else, let's say I want to go out with friends after work and my partner wants me to come home. Mm-hmm. And let's let's take my situation. That is not actually my situation. I think he's happy when I go out with friends. <laughs> <laughs> right. Get out of here. <laughs> but we don't have kids. So kids aside because or let, let's make it a couple with kids. Mm-hmm. Right. So I want to go out for drinks after work with my friends or with my coworkers, and my partner wants me to come home and be with the kids. We have a babysitter, so it's not as though I need Mm -hmm. to come and take responsibility, but my partner feels, you know what, you should be home with the kids. We need to spend more time with the kids. You need to spend more time with the kids. Mm -hmm. How do we come to an understanding on that one? Mm -hmm. So that's different, right? Mm -hmm. So you need to spend more time with the kids. There's a lot in that statement. You know, you need to spend, says who? Are the kids saying this? Are you saying this? What's behind me needing to spend more time with the kids? And so I think that's where we would start. Like, okay, I want to go out. You want me here. What's going on? Like, what's going on? Like, and you figure out where do we, how do we do, how how do we meet in the middle with this? Because I really want to go out. Is there a need that the kids have that I need to be fulfilling right now? Have the kids expressed some kind of discontent with me not being here? Or do you really want me to be here? Right. And so that's where we need to start. You need to be here with the kids is do I need to be here with the kids? Are you sick? Is there something going on? And all of that needs to be taken into consideration because then we fall into another slippery slope of control. Right. And manipulation. And so we don't we definitely don't want to do that. But we want to we want to be able to say what we need. And if it's you need to be here with the kids, then it's 
you know, the kids said they really miss you. That's why I'm leaving here Friday. The kids say <laughs> they, they really miss you and they like to spend more time with you. And so, you know, those are your kids. And you probably will, will definitely spend more time with your kids tomorrow after you come home or right. whenever. But The kids will survive. Do you see that often where one parent uses the children to try and control another parent? Absolutely. Instead of saying, I, you know, being vulnerable and saying, you know, I really would like to spend more time with you. They put it on the kids because people are way more softer for their kids, right? Right. And also it seems like a responsibility as Absolutely. opposed to something it's you're opting into. Absolutely. I really appreciate that. Agreeing to understand as opposed to agreeing to disagree. So we've, we've learned to apologize. We've agreed to understand. Now I want to talk a little bit about validation mm. and how you validate your partner and how we all need validation yes. in the context of a word that comes up often, and I'm sure you see it in practice, neediness. Oh, yeah. One partner accuses their partner of being needy. Mm -hmm. And I'm, of course, of the mindset that we are all needy we in are, some I'm ways. We are of that same mindset. We're born needy. <laughs> right. And so we're born like that as children. So when, we, when we're born, we come out looking for nurturance, right? So when a, when a baby's born, they can, they can live without food for a specific amount of time, but they'll die sooner if they don't get that nurturance and that connection uh, from from some person, a human. And what we don't realize is as we grow older, that we don't stop looking for that level of, for that nurturance. Although we live in a culture where it's, I don't need nobody type of situation, uh, but that's a whole other situation. But we still need people, right? We need each other. We're biologically wired for human connection. It's an evolutionary need. Yes, it's we an have, evolutionary need. Absolutely. We would not be here as a human race. <laughs> without Out another human being <laughs> exactly and forget the reproduction but the social aspect humans have have not historically survived without on their that own. Mm -mm. we can't do it we cannot live without each other the people it's really true that people die of loneliness like that's a real thing because we need we need that like people like elderly people or people who are um older adults they live longer the more human connection they have they, that's research-based but you're right we're all needy and so I do hear people say you know they're just so needy like they always want me around and it's like yeah because they formed an attachment with you and that's what we do like when we grow together in a relationship we form attachments with each other and so when we talk about validation and neediness those are two different things right so um validation is a form of what we need in a relationship from our partner and it's not like oh you look very beautiful today and i think people get validation and affirmations and all of that stuff mixed up a little bit yeah. you know it's not oh you look good but it's caring about your partner's feelings their opinions what they care about right it's validating them as a person is acknowledging their existence their being and we don't realize that we do that outside of the relationship a lot of times with other people but when it in the relationship, people usually say, I don't see why you need validation. P people know I'm with you. So something that usually comes up is social media, right? People wanting um, to be seen or for their partner to validate their existence, their relationship on social media. And I'll hear people saying, 
I don't need to post you on social media. People know we're together. Or no, they know you know we're together. They don't need to know. Yes, they do. <laughs> you know, like if you post everything else that's important to you on social media, but why can't you post me? That's validation. So validation is security in relationships. What that communicates to your partner is, oh, they really do admire me. Oh, they really do want me here. They really do respect me. They really want other people to know that I am a part of their life. And so that's what validation is. It's when your partner does something well, you know, you acknowledge that that they are well or they are a good person, not necessarily that they did something good. So what's the difference between validation and affirmation? So affirmations, you know, you're affirming your partner, right? You're giving them, um, so like there's words of affirmation, right? That's what we call, some people call that a love language. Words of affirmation are a form of validation. So words of affirmation are, oh my God, you, you really do really great research. You write really well. I really appreciate how you clean up the house. Oh my goodness, you did this? This is amazing. I don't know anybody who could do this like you. I really love the way you think. So those that's affirmation. That's affirming your partner. Validation, on the other hand, is how you acknowledge your partner's existence as a person, as a whole, right? So not necessarily affirming maybe one thing that they do, but you care about their feelings. So you are going to apologize to them, right? You are going, you are going to seek to uh, understand them versus um, just agreeing or disagreeing with them. It's caring about them as a whole. It's caring about the things that they care about. So validation is, oh, you're having this party at work and you want me to come and I don't really want to come, but I'm going to go because you care about this. Validation is, oh, you painted a thing and people are going to come see the thing that you painted. Okay, I'm going to go and support you because I believe in you. Validation is, oh, you started a new business. I'm going to promote this business on all of my mediums too so that other people can see this as well. So validation is just approval. It's your approval and your acceptance of your partner's being. I love all of those examples. And is there a way we can validate our partner every single day? Mm -hmm. Yes. You ask them, right? So, you know, that's another thing, too, when people are like, you know, I don't know what to do. And so one of the things you do is you ask your partner, how can I love you better today? Or how can I be a better partner? But also you're in a relationship with them. So you're paying attention to what they're doing, right? So you can validate your partner if your partner's feeling down. I know sometimes... Uh, my partner, my husband will go to the store sometimes if I'm like, if I look flustered, he he senses that, right? And so what he does is he'll come back with some of my favorite things, right? Which is an orchid. He'll like the other day, he was like, oh, I got you a new plant. And I felt so validated because he realized that I was flustered. My feelings were all over the place. And he knew that this is something that I like. And it doesn't necessarily have to be something that you spend money with. You can, you can validate your partner by 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 seeing that they're in a tight space or they need help or asking, hey, I see you look overwhelmed. What do you need help with? Validation is also paying attention to your partner and anticipating their needs and carrying them out for them too. It's interesting because as you run through these lists of things, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, oh, actually I can do that mm -hmm. or I do that or my partner does that. And then I also think there might be folks who are thinking, my God, this sounds like a lot of stuff. <laughs> this sounds overwhelming. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't have to be. It can be little tiny Absolutely. things that you do for your partner. So one thing I know Brandon does for me is he'll stand up for me. Mm -hmm. um, not speak for me. Mm -hmm. But if there's something going on where someone isn't showing me respect, 
he'll say, talk to Jess. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Yes. I, I remember once, I don't know if I've ever told this story. We were young and I was walking down Young Street, which is the, the big long street in Toronto downtown. And uh, someone from a construction site said something harassing to me because mm -hmm. I was walking ahead of Brandon, so they didn't see him. And, and I say that because they don't tend to harass women as much when there's a man with them. Mm. So he said something super sexual, and, and Brandon turned to whoever was closest and said, get your foreman. Go get your foreman. Mm. And, and he said, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, man, buddy. I didn't, I didn't know she was with you. I'm so sorry. And he's like, you That's didn't know she was with me? You're apologizing mm -hmm. to me. He said, if you have something to say, don't talk to me. Talk to her. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's a bit of an extreme example, but I always know that he's got my back. And that's validation. Oh, my Lord. I because could not Because he respects feel. you and he demands that other people respect you yeah. as well. I couldn't feel more loved. I know how much he loves me. And to be clear, he, he would not buy me flowers. Mm -hmm. He doesn't buy me <laughs> presents. Um, he doesn't, you know, surprise me with dinner. But you probably don't need that stuff from him. No. And, you know, in the beginning, I thought I did. Because, you because know, maybe society, with a, society <laughs> tells me and maybe with previous partners, mm -hmm. that was something they did. And I had to realize that it was time for me to adjust my expectations and mm -hmm. not look for every little possible thing this person could do for me. Yes. And that's also one of the challenges with working with, with people and hearing couples stories is that if I were to look at the last 10 couples who told me their stories about how their partner makes them feel important and validated, I could say, oh, well, Brandon doesn't do 50% mm. of those things because there's 10 men. Exactly. <laughs> and he's only one man. He's exactly. the man exactly. of men, but he's one person. So part of it is about making your partner feel validated, mm -hmm. asking them what they want, communicating what you need. Exactly. exactly. And, then, and then also being flexible and realizing that you can't have everything and you don't need, need everything. everything. And also your one partner can't give you everything. Yes. Can you give them everything? I absolutely don't plan on it. <laughs> oh, me either. Absolutely not. And he doesn't demand that of me. Good. Yeah. I, and I know that over the years, I've had to ask myself at times, are you being too demanding? Mm -hmm. Especially with a partner who's so eager to please you. Mm -hmm. Right? I've had to stop oh, myself. That's good. Yeah. Yes. And, and oftentimes, our demands are rooted in our own insecurities. Absolutely. Aren't they? Insecurities. Oh, my goodness. Because we need, we need that reassurance. Except we need to give it to ourselves, too. That's so true. So, oh. So getting over your insecurities is about giving yourself the reassurance you need, not yes. necessarily asking your partner mm -mm. to help you get over them. Now, they can support you. They can support you, but it's your insecurities. And so in this society, the social media culture, there, I don't think there's not, there's not one person that has an, an insecurity. I remember uh, there was a rapper who said, we're all self-conscious. I'm just the first to admit it. Yeah. Um, and so we Kanye. are Kanye. Kanye. Yes. He wears yes. at least one of his watches. Yeah. <laughs> I love Kanye. I'm so glad Brandon's not here because he'd go on and on and on. About Kanye? No, just with some lyrics. Oh, okay. I love it. So we would probably have to turn into a rap session. But anyway, but we all have insecurities and we all struggle with them until with social media, uh, being at the forefront of many of our lives, that does not help our insecurities. And so a lot of us, as you said, we turn to our partner uh, with so many demands on what they need to be doing and what they should be doing and what they're not doing. And it's like, okay, but what are you doing? Mm -hmm. How are you dealing with these insecurities? Mm. Right? What are you doing? And so a lot of us aren't doing the work on ourselves. Right. And can we even name our own insecurities? Like I'm thinking about if I had to openly right now 
say what I'm insecure about. You know why we can't? We can, but you know why? And this is one of the first steps in being able to get over insecurity, right? Or being able to accept them is being able to acknowledge them. But the hardest part is acknowledging them because Mm -hmm. we don't want to. Right. But we see them when they come up. But you don't want to you don't want to say out loud what your insecurity is. So, for example, you know, if I thought my butt was too big, which this is not my struggle because my butt is not big, you know, but it's not small. Well, it ain't, <laughs> well OK, <laughs> it's all right for me. OK, don't, you know, it's OK. I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> but if I thought my butt was too big, I'm not going around telling people, you know, my butt's too big. Right. And I hate it. However, when I see somebody with a smaller butt, it's going to probably bring up some stuff like, girl, that look at them with that small butt. It looks so good on them. And look at you with this big old floppy butt. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So if you were to ask someone, like, what are you insecure about? It's, they're probably going to take a while to answer that because we don't really talk about that openly with people because it's an insecurity. Right. And I think it's quite a relationship when you can yes. admit to your insecurities. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like being able to tell Brandon what I'm worried about About. or what's really eating at me helps to make sure that it doesn't come out in an untoward way, Mm. right? Because you're saying, oh, I might, you know, criticize my own butt when I see this other butt, but you might not even, you might go even more untoward and just criticize the way that person looks. Looks. Yes. Yeah. And we do that a lot. We are notorious for that. Yes, we... you'll, or you'll find something else to criticize them. You see their small butt, you're jealous of their small butt, or you're envious of it, and then you start talking about their shoes, which are probably beautiful. Like mm-hmm. her feet are too big for those shoes. <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry, no, she looks great, no shoes, and so does her butt, and so does yours. And so that's another part of with insecurity, right? It's being able to face it. Like when, with everything that we don't like, you've got to be able to face it. You got to be flexible too with your insecurities and accept. It's this is so cliche, but accept yourself first, because in a world that's not very forgiving and not very accepting of everybody else. Once you start looking for acceptance outside of yourself, you start getting way more insecure because it doesn't work like that. So you have to be able to say, you know what, I'm okay with this. But another part to that is accepting other people's greatness. Right. And celebrating their greatness. When you see something great in somebody else. Acknowledge that, oh, yeah, she's rocking it. Jess, you rocking your hair today. Those earrings look really great on you. I love how your dresses fit to your body, right? I like that. Always is. <laughs> <laughs> Don't own anything baggy. <laughs> but they, but you look great. And so being able to acknowledge that might help me if I have a specific type of insecurity of that my butt is sticking out too much. I don't know why I keep using butt. Maybe I'm having some insecurities about my butt. Is it too big? No, never. But, you know, so acknowledging that and also understanding that somebody else's successes or struggles are not your own. Like we all have our own paths, right? And acknowledging that your the way you get to yours is your way and the way I get to mine is mine. And we're on different paths. So we're going to have a different story. And that's okay. I love the power you're placing in admiring and celebrating other people. So I, I challenge you right now listening to think about someone that maybe you're critical of or maybe it's you know you know you're a little bit jealous of them and look at something you admire in them and really ask yourself if you can feel good for them Mm. because I know I need this sometimes in Mm -hmm. business to celebrate other people's accomplishments feels so good when you do it genuinely Genuinely, when you see other people's successes whether it's in relationships or at work or with health or with their bodies or with their families or with a hobby that you share Mm -hmm. to really 
look at someone that maybe you've you know, been a little critical of yes. or you feel a little jealous of and see if there's something you can find that you want to appreciate in them and see how that flips your own jealousy or insecurity yeah, absolutely. on That's its helpful. head. And then the second piece I want to leave we, you with, we've been talking about insecurities and I was thinking, can I talk about a top insecurity of mine right here, right now? And the truth is I'm, I'm not ready to. <laughs> <laughs> I could with Brandon and I do with Brandon, but you know, it, it is a lot just so that you know, you know, I'm not, I'm just a human being and I'm mm-hmm. a, a pretty sensitive human being. Mm. So to even share on a public platform like this may exactly. seem like it's easy or natural for me, but it's not always easy. Mm-mm. But I will do it on my own, and I challenge you to do the same, to think about one of your insecurities, because naming that insecurity, even just to yourself, can, I think, shatter and lessen the power mm-hmm. of that insecurity. Absolutely. By by eradicating some of the shame associated with it, because I think we feel a lot of shame in every insecurity. Absolutely, we do. So I challenge you to try those two things right now to celebrate someone else's success, especially someone that maybe you look at with a side eye, <laughs> and to think about one of your insecurities just to begin to acknowledge it. And then once you acknowledge it, you, you maybe can do some work on it. And I, I promise to do the same. So I thank you so yes. much for being here. Folks no can find you thank on your you. website at... Yes, my website is on thegreencouch.com. And your Instagram, because you give pearls of wisdom on Instagram too. Thank you. It's at sexologist Shamal. Myra, S-H-A-M-Y-R-A. Perfect. And you have your Use Your Mouth conversation starter cards available on your website as well. Yes, those are available um, on on the green couch, the Use Your Mouth cards. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you to you for listening. And thank you again for Desire Resorts and Cruises for your ongoing support. Actually, you're going to be at Desire, Uh, aren't you? When will you be at Desire? Um, In January, the week of January 13th. And you're going to be teaching some sessions there? Yes, I am going to be teaching the... um, Light My Fire and I Breathe You workshops. Ooh, all right. I'm looking for those. Thank you so much, folks. Wherever you're at, I hope you're feeling great about yourself, ready to take more action and be the best version of yourself. Have a great one. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.